So, Connor, just looking at the running order, um, have you listened to Thunderbirds? I haven't. I haven't got round to it yet. Ah, right. In that case, Thunderbirds are gone. Yeah, that was all right. I think just credits there. Just yeah, we'll keep that. We'll keep straight that. into the credits there. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're listening to a podcast of spurious morality, complete with me hitting my microphone there. Yep, strong intro. <laughs> You'll have to count down. Five, four, <laughs> three, two, none, none. There's, there's no Thunderbirds. This is not a, a Thunderbird featuring podcast of spurious Yet. morality. No. Yet. Yet. <laughs> no. Um, no, I don't know any other Thunderbirds references, so I can't even make another joke. Nah, that's fab. Yep. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh, no. This is going so well. And welcome to a podcast of spurious morality. I'm Johnston, and with me today I have Connor. Hello. And we are going to be talking about some of the brilliant things Big Finish have brought to us throughout November. Uh, not including Thunderbirds, because Connor's not listened to it yet. Sorry. Um, no, still can't think of another Thunderbirds joke. Anyway... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, spoiler warning is obviously things that Big Finish have released throughout November. Um, so, Connor, what would you say your favourite release of the month has been? Um, the Eighth Doctor Adventures, What Lies Inside. It's it's impossible to, Im- impossible to beat uh, the Eighth Doctor, Liv and Helen. Um, I'm going to boringly have to completely agree with you. Um, I, I thought it was they're an excellent TARDIS team it was an excellent set it was I have to admit that when Stranded uh, 4 came out and we had that kind of cake and eat it ending for Liv I was kind of um, I was like oh did we have to do that did we really need Liv to go and then come back but having heard this set yes we really did and I'm really glad it happened yeah I, 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 I totally agree it's it's I was the same. I had a little bit of apprehension in the run up to it, um, you know, because it's it suddenly stopped the Eighth Doctor's momentum that has been going on from two thousand and one, um, and we yeah. don't have a you know an ongoing arc anymore. Um, but it's 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 actually really nice and almost a a relief or a bit of you know more relaxing to have this team in some slightly low, you know, slightly lower key, bit more chilled out adventures. Yeah, absolutely. So um, let's let, let's talk about that set then. Let's start with that. So uh, first story was Paradox of the Daleks. And despite a little bit of the usual, oh, Daleks again, eye rolling, 
Um, I actually really enjoyed it, and I, I was sort of looking forward to it because I realised beforehand that it was Helen's first meeting with the Daleks, and it's quite rare, especially at Big Finish, to have a companion so well established. Because Helen's been around for, is it seven years now? Was it 2015 Doom Coalition kicked off? It was indeed, yeah. Um, so we've had seven years of adventures with Helen without her meeting the Daleks. So I actually quite liked the fact that she was, you know, she was very well travelled. She spent a lot of time with the Doctor and uh, Liv. And the Daleks are a new thing to her. Um, so yeah, what did you think of Paradox of the Daleks? Yeah, I really liked it. It's as as you say, Helen's first meeting, and it does feel like a proper moment. Um, but that's because the the other two members of this team have history with them. Um, the Eighth Doctor and Liv had a whole series about their um, interactions with the Daleks back in Dark Eyes. So it's it's really really nice to sort of you know to have that team revisiting an older enemy. And we're getting something similar as well in December with the Weeping Angels because this team met the Weeping Angels in Dune Coalition. Yes. So we're getting to you know for them to you know meet some of their old villains and have you know a rematch, um, which is which is great, and it works it works really really well. Um, it's that moment where the Doctor and Liv and Helen walk into the control room, find the Daleks, and the Doctor and Liv just grab Helen and is like, "No, we need to leave right now," um, and away they go again. Um, it's 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 stuff like that that I, I really appreciate. We get a few wee shout outs in this as well. There's callbacks to the um the Infinite Warriors and the Eminence as well. Um, who haven't yes. been mentioned probably since they were in um Dark Eyes. But um, yeah, I, I I really really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I think it possibly gets a little bit too impressed with its own you know timey wimey genius. And it, it is very, very good. And I, I, I think I said we did a, we did a, a bonus episode on this, and I, I did say I want to go back through this at some point with pen and paper, just to, to fully keep track of it. Um, but it does. I think you can tell that it has been plotted on a whiteboard somewhere. Um, um, and 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 it has taken it's, it's it's not a story in its own right. It's it has been based around this main idea of the paradox and the story happening out of order for the different people involved. Um, which is good. It is. It's. It's. It's a great technical exercise, and it, it does work well as a standalone episode. I really do enjoy it. I, I would say it's my favorite in the set. Yeah, um, I'd agree. Definitely the highlight of the set, and it was. It was good to have a, a longer story as well. Um, we've had a lot of a lot of one part Eighth Doctor stories, and we've had a lot of um, you know, single parts that all make up the one big storyline, but Stranded was very much one part as um so it was nice to just have a eighth doctor arrives, does something for two hours and then leaves kind of story. Uh, it really worked for me. Um not to take anything away from the Dolby Spook though, the second story. Um, which is just the one part, but it's it's a nice different story and it's the kind of story that we'd never have got if we were you know, playing in the Doom Coalition ravenous stranded sandbox. Um, it, it's something nice and a little bit different. So, yeah, talk to me about that. I think it has two things going for it. Um, the first being that it is, it's it's a bit of a low-key celebrity historical um, because even though it's not based around the likes of, you know, a Winston Churchill or a Julius Caesar or a William Shakespeare, you know, a big figure from history, it, it takes this 
smaller event um um that that's possibly less well known um yeah. and 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 builds it up into a, into a doctor who story and i that's great i love that um the other thing it has going for it is it's a really really good story for helen um and something that has been done across her it's it's been done a few times over her adventures where we get little hints and mentions of her family and that you know she had didn't have the happiest childhood she she didn't have she doesn't have the happiest family relationships and here she gets to meet is it it's it's Vori isn't it um and yeah. she sees a little bit of herself in Vori um and her situation and and gets to react to that which works wonders for Helen um it's I really really love that she got this um weight and importance in this story yeah and it it's good to have a helen story it, they don't happen often and when they do they're part of you know the big epic storylines we've had helen joined during um doom coalition like it was already happening it was the second episode we'd had the big gallifrey opener and has pretty much always just been in this you know one big storyline or other um, so we've explored her, but it's always been within the context of what's been going on, whether it's the main characters looking for the Eleven or being chased by the Ravenous or all that kind of thing. So to have a nice sort of standalone Helen-centric story has been great, and it looks like that's going to continue into the next set as well. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yes, so am I. Uh, before we move on... Uh, I am just going to talk about how brilliant TARDIS team this these three continue to be. Um, they, they, I think they are my favourite sort of TARDIS combination at Big Finish. Uh, it's just thoroughly enjoyable to listen to them. They're three characters that I'm really invested in. They're three very different characters, and I kind of like the stage of his life that the Eighth Doctor's at here. You know, we're not quite into darker time war stuff yet, but we've definitely moved on from childish enjoyment of like, the earlier stories, storm warning and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I, I really like the TARDIS dynamic we have here. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It always feels really, really special when a set comes out with these characters because Doom Coalition was what got me into Big Finish in the first place. Um, yeah. It came out, it was, it was, it was. It was advertised, I think, very heavily as a jumping on point, and it came very quickly on the heels of um, Night of the Doctor, which you know was sort of caught my eye as far as the Eighth Doctor went. Um, yeah, and that was you know I, I knew it done big finish and was looking for a way in, and then Doom Coalition came along, was advertised as a jumping on point, and I was suddenly getting a new series style story with you know this Doctor and a, a set of new companions um, to me anyway. Um, so that. I always, you know, this this has been the arc that I have, you know, come back to from the word go. Um, there are this strand is the is, is the one I've come back to from from the word go as far as Big Finish and I are concerned. So it always feels really really special, like a couple of old friends have come round. Um, whenever these characters get a set, absolutely, and uh, quite fittingly, we'll be returning to live later in this episode. Yes, indeed. Um. But what we shall do now is move on to... Uh, I'm just going to quickly talk about uh, the unit set that came out this month, Unit Nemesis 3, which is it's, it's what I was looking forward to. I, I do like the new Who unit sets. They're very 
uh, reliable. You know what's going to happen in them. Um, you know, we've now kind of got this format where there's a bit of a storyline going on. We've got the Vulpreen, Um And then we get one episode, a set that kind of, for the most part, ignores the main storyline and goes off to have a bit of fun with a Doctor Who villain. So we've had uh, an Ice Warrior episode, we've had a Dominators episode, and this set we have an Axos episode. And it was, for the most part, very enjoyable, the Axos episode was. It was Axos used the way you'd expect Axos to be used. I do think the Axos story we've had more recently in the 10th Doctor Classic Companion set was probably sort of a better way of handling them and a little bit more inventive, but it's it's been nice to have sort of Kate meet the Axos and go, oh, you're the lot that annoyed me dad a bit, aren't you? So we got all of that. Um, so yeah, I, I like where the Vulpreen story's going. Um, they're a relatively interesting villain. I can see why they're, they're uh, being used or why they've been created. And I do think Unit benefits from having a sort of running theme, running villain throughout uh, its sets. It just gives them a little bit more direction, uh, but we do still get some standalone stuff as well. Um, it does end on a fairly exciting cliffhanger, but one that I have to admit I saw coming uh, quite early on in this set, actually. Um, it turns out, and this is a spoiler warning, turns out that the Vulpreen are being assisted by Missy, um, didn't take them long to get over the 11, not helping them anymore. They've gone to get Missy for support instead. So we can assume that the next set is going to have Missy in it. Um, so that's where Unit's going. Um, I do enjoy it. I kind of wish that we sort of get a few more, should we say, original ideas from Unit. But honestly, I think the direction the set's going in does completely work. Um, just going to do a quick shout out to the character of Jackie McGee, who's been in the new series unit sets from the start, who does meet her end in quite a memorable episode, actually. Like that character has been through hell, particularly since Nemesis started. Uh, and I did find that her death was sort of had, it had the suitable emotional punch uh, that any sort of regular character's death or semi-regular character's death should have. Um, it'll be shame to not see the character anymore because she was quite interesting. Yeah, I, 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 I don't follow the new unit sets as, as, as a general rule. Um, I've, I've dipped in and out of the range. Um, and Nemesis isn't one that I followed. Um, you know, from the beginning, I, I haven't done any of these sets yet. But hearing that Missy's going to put in an appearance and, um. Potentially, uh, I, 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 as I say, I haven't heard. I don't know if there's going to be a, a Missy and Eleven rematch. I'm definitely there for it. I will, I will absolutely do the series um, to get up to speed for that. Um, I suppose it'd technically be a pre-match for the Eleven, wouldn't it? It would, yeah, yeah. But um, uh, that's I, I, I can see a lot of fun in that in that pairing if if it's going to happen. I'd actually like if it, you know, when Missy and the Eleven, or if Missy and the Eleven do meet, I'd quite like it to be Missy after she's sort of killed him and forced his regeneration. Yes. Um, so a post-ravenous Missy, but obviously a pre-ravenous Eleven. Uh, that could be interesting. Yeah, and the other thing as well is, um, spoilers for her last set, she no longer has the monk as her companion. You know, 
Michelle Gomez and Mark Bonner is definitely a, 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 a lead pairing that I'm here for if anyone from Big Finish is listening and wants one for free. <laughs> Missy and the 11. I'd, I'd, I'd listen to that. I'd buy that. Absolutely. So let's shift ourselves on to... Um, I'd, I'd call this my runner-up set of the month, actually. I did enjoy it quite a lot. It is Sullivan and Cross AWOL, um, in which the seventh Doctor gets two new companions, old companions. Um, so we're kind of... It, it's part of a storyline that we are obviously getting out of order. And Sullivan and Cross have both appeared in Unit um, already in, in the Nemesis sets. In fact, Cross is in... Naomi Cross is in Nemesis 3. So, um, yeah, what were your thoughts on Sullivan and Cross AWOL? Um, I, 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 I really liked London Orbital. Um, for a couple of different reasons. So I, I, as I say, I haven't followed Unit, um, which is where Harry and Naomi have appeared as a as a companion team so far. Um, but I, I like them in this. I, I actually really like the changes, if that's the you know right way of putting it, that they've made to Harry, um, where he's a little bit older uh, and a little bit wiser. He's a, presented as a little bit less buffoonish, and he's not you know the cartoon caricature that he maybe would have been in the Fourth Doctor's era. Um, or that's at least my my overriding memory of Harry. You know, it's it's he's the imbecile who's there as the comic relief. Um, but he's 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 a little bit older and wiser here, and he gets a little bit of a personal story in this, um, that harks back to his pre-unit days. Um, we get this, um, sort of fantastical hidden world in London. Um, it's very very reminiscent of Neverwhere. Um, by yes. Neil Gaiman, which is uh, I uh, one of my favorite books. Um, I've, I've done the radio series as well. I, I I love that story so much. Um, so you know, getting you know a Doctor Who story that's playing in that sort of territory and, and playing with those sort of ideas is is fantastic. I I I, I, I really really enjoyed that. Um, Naomi, as I say, I'm I'm very new to, and she definitely you know I I like her, you know, being paired up with Harry. Um, I think she and um, Harry have, you know, pretty great chemistry as a team. But because this has been released out of order, um, I don't know very much about her. And this story, because it's not her introductory story, either in the sense that it's her first one released or her first one chronologically, doesn't do enough, I think, to introduce her. Sorry, it certainly didn't do enough to introduce her to me that I don't know enough about her background and what has come before um which is something it's something that sort of stuck out to me while i was listening and yeah it's probably my fault for not doing you know her unit stories um it's not something that you know is, is probably fair to criticize this story for but because this is where i've jumped on she doesn't feel as as colored in as you know she maybe could have been um or you know the details don't feel as as, as filled in um as they could have been at this point for her but i do like her and i'm looking forward to hearing more from her I have to admit that actually the unit series, while featuring uh, Harry Sullivan and Naomi Cross in an episode or two a set, hasn't really gone into any details about about their background or anything. So actually you've not really missed much. Um, you kind of got the most about what's going on with the characters in London Orbital when they explained to the Doctor 
you left us behind in the wrong time. Um, so I'm assuming that really we'll get to know Naomi when she appears in the Fourth Doctor Adventures, which is still, I think, is it, is it one year or two years off? Just over a year, isn't it? It's 2024. I think so. I think it'll be next year's, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, we've kind of still got that to wait for. And at some point I will kind of unravel the timeline and do a a Sullivan and Cross in order kind of run. But I think I've got a couple of years to wait before I do that, uh, especially considering as they're now ongoing companions with the Seventh Doctor as well. Um, but yeah, another two good stories. Um, London Orbital, definitely my favourite of the two. Uh, I, I did really think that there was something nice and different going on with it, something that we don't normally get in Doctor Who. And I think it's the kind of story you could only, perhaps only tell with the Seventh Doctor as well. I think you need sort of dark manipulative Seven in the background of a story like that, kind of, you know, manipulating what's happening with a war or a non-war. It's very Seven. I did enjoy that. Um, But Scream of the Daleks was a great little Halloween story. Um, I kind of wish it had come out about 10 days earlier than it did, so I could have listened to it on Halloween. But that didn't detract from it at all. It was a nice, snappy Dalek two-parter. And I do think, actually, that over the last couple of years, we've had some good, shorter Dalek stories. It wasn't even a two-parter. Oh, it was two-parter, wasn't it? Two 25-minute episodes. Um, But that and um, Nightmare of the Daleks, I thought, were quite good interesting ways of using the Daleks without getting bogged down in a big universe invasion kind of story. Yeah, I I, th- I think I, I, I did enjoy it, but I think it's maybe where the format of these sets is possibly going to fall down for me slightly where by necessity. Although in saying that, um, um, you know, or I was going to say by necessity, you have a four-parter and a two-parter because that's how the discs are going to split up. But on the day of recording, they've just announced a three-parter and a three-parter is exactly uh, in a box set. That's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. They've just announced um, two three-parters, which I'm I'm all for. I'm 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 hoping that's maybe going to solve some of the the balancing issues that I've had. Um, but I think I, I, with Scream of the Daleks, you end up with quite a lot of one-scene locations where the Doctor and Naomi go and bounce through. You know, a lot of Halloweens from history, or Halloween alternatives, or 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 parallels from history, um, and you're there for one scene. You don't get to spend very much time in them. You don't get to spend, you know, very much time, you know, with any other characters there. It's just those two characters going through and doing some exposition, and then they move on. Um, which which I felt it made it feel a little bit rushed and scattershot for me. Um, but look, I love the Daleks and I love Halloween and getting a Halloween Dalek story is, is right up my street. I am looking, really looking forward to hearing this one again. Um, it's, it's, um, the, the cover for it is great as well. You know, really, really evocative, um, image and the, the, the Daleks that were made for this cover. I think I, I saw on Twitter that they were rendered, um, specifically for it, um, rather than, you know, using, um, pre-existing photos um and the new the newly designed imperial supreme looks fantastic i really really love them um and and had a lot of fun imagining them i'm 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 looking forward to that again i have to admit that when i first saw the cover um 
I didn't get that the the black Dalek on it was an Imperial Dalek, and I was kind of hoping we were going to visit the Civil War aspect from Remembrance of the Daleks that Big Finish have never picked up on. We've never had Renegade versus Imperial Daleks at Big Finish, and it's I, I can't quite believe that, really, because it just seems so ripe for plundering. Um, so that is one thing I'd like to see, a big epic... Imperial versus Renegade Dalek Remembrance War sequel uh, that isn't War of the Daleks, the book. Uh, I'd like to see Big Finish have a go at that. Yes, please. Um, and it, it's it, it's great territory for the Seventh Doctor as well because he gets to play dark and manipulative with two lots of Daleks that just want to destroy each other. It worked in Remembrance. It, it you know Remembrance is. I mean, it's got to be one of the best Dalek stories there's ever been, if not the best Dalek story there's ever been. Um, so I, I really, really think that that is that that's got to be a low hanging fruit. I'm surprised no one's done it yet. Um, we can dream again. If anyone from Big Finish is listening, please take note. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please, please give us a big epic ten box set story like no that's too much but yeah yeah you know it, it's it's something i'd like to see done again i think it was very effective in uh well both revelation and remembrance of the daleks so yeah i, I definitely think there's something that could be done there um yeah. and this cover did get my hopes up and then it, i pretty quickly realized oh no it's just a it's just an imperial dalek supreme um but i i, I want to know who eventually becomes the gold Daleks that we see in the new series. Is it the Renegades? Is it the Imperials? Does one side win and go, right, we're going to be gold now because we're the best? It's it's the, that one Supreme from Day of the Daleks repeated endlessly over and over by the Time War. <laughs> uh, well, you've just solved Doctor Who canon there. You've, you've won. <laughs> you've won canon. <laughs> Um, congratulations! There's <laughs> <laughs> that one supreme uh, gets hit by a time weapon and it replicates a million times over. <laughs> well, your your prize for winning cannon is a lot of people coming to you and just saying the words "unit" over and over again. <laughs> congratulations! I thank you. <laughs> um, so another release this month. Uh, from my favourite, or one of my favourite, and one of the most consistently brilliant ranges from Big Finish, uh, it's Torchwood, the monthly Torchwoods, which um, I'm actually really excited by the news we've had about these. We're getting a, in January, uh, sort of a double release that month, or two releases that month, I should say, uh, with 70s Torchwood and Autons. That's how I'm looking forward to that. That's brilliant. But this month we've had... Uh, the Lincolnshire Poacher, which is one of the weirder, more claustrophobic ones that we've had. Every now and again, this range just kind of goes off on onto a sort of strange, surreal, quite psychological tangent. And uh, it was Ianto that got messed with this month. Uh, very effective story, very sort of haunting, very strange. I I Ianto does end up having sort of a little bit of a breakdown throughout and um it's we've had a few stories like this this year because we had uh suckers with tosh as well where uh basically the original cast just get isolated and go through absolute hell 
but an Ianto release is always a good release. We always know we're getting something good with Ianto. Uh, so yeah, another really, really good release from the Torchwood range. Um, and like I say, I'm looking forward to the next few releases that have been announced. So yeah, keep going Torchwood. It's Torchwood at Big Finish is brilliant. They've they've really got a good handle on it. I'm uh, really really excited for those two in January. Um, not least because we're getting a bit you know that way bit of a Doctor Who crossover there, but because we're getting a new era for Torchwood. Um, in the same or in what maybe looks or feels like the same vein as Torchwood Soho, except we're in another decade with another set of characters, original characters. Really really excited for that. I mean they've. They've got room to kind of give us any combination of Torchwood team from across the world over a couple of centuries, and I'm surprised that we don't delve into other eras and other teams more often. It's you know we've had the Doll's House and we had um, uh, was it the Dying Room, uh, which was set here during the war and. Uh, we've had some Victorian stuff, Queen Victoria as a recurring character in the range. So yeah, I I really do think that hearing that another era is opening up is uh, quite exciting. One thing I would like them to do is a uh, an eighties Torchwood and take inspiration from um, uh, the Confessions of Dorian Gray stuff that's set in the eighties, so the heart that lives alone and that kind of thing. Um, I really do think there's there's room for that sort of 80s excess Torchwood. I think the decade and the concept are just made to work together. Yeah, I would definitely be up for that. Um, so let's let's move on. And I promised Liv was coming back. And uh, she does in this month's Ninth Doctor release. She meets the Ninth Doctor in Hidden Depths. Um, we say this every time there's a Ninth Doctor release. Christopher Eccleston's doing big finish, and it's amazing. Um, it, it's it's still a kind of bite yourself to check you're awake kind of idea. And we've had that idea for well over a couple of years now. We've known about it for well over a couple of years, and we've had nearly two full series of adventures. Um, so, yeah, talk to me about Hidden Depths. Um, well, just before I do, it's also um, recently been revealed as well that he's going to be in the 60th anniversary series. Of course, yes. Which, which is, there's a new, you know, just as maybe the novelty starts to wear off on new Ninth Doctor Adventures, we're going to get Christopher Eccleston in an anniversary set, I say. With with a lot of other Doctors. With a lot of other Doctors, I know, I know. I'm, 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 you know, I'm delighted to see him there um, because I know, I know, you know, he has been very... You know, when people say, oh, is there any other Doctors, you know, you'd like to work with, he has always said, oh, no, I'm a, you know, the Ninth Doctor's a one-man band. Great, I respect it, but delighted to see him getting in with the others as well. And I know that I get the impression that this set or this series is going to be, you know, light on the traditional multi-Doctor, you know, meetups and banter and and that sort of thing. Um, But... Just seeing that full run of all surviving classic Doctors and the first two new series Doctors doing a 60th anniversary project, nothing compares to that. I am so excited. But in the meantime, we have uh, Hidden Depths, which I liked. um, Strong and offset overall, um, possibly a little bit more up and down compared to the rest of the range, which I think has, has sat quite high 
in my in my estimation so far. Yeah. Um, but but there's there's definitely a lot to like here. Um, we get another big, you know, classic villain meeting with him. Um, in the form of the Sea Devils, um, who are I, underused even at big finish. You know, I think it usually tends to be more the Silurians. Um, I can't think off the top of my head of too many Sea Devil stories. So it's 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 really nice to hear them. Um, certainly after their appearance on TV this year as well. I think there's a, a Benny one and a Unit one, and that's about it. Yeah, you're right. There's, there's very little Sea Devil going on. Yeah. Although we are getting more. Are, oh, yes, we are. Yeah. Fourth, uh, Doctor. The, uh, fourth Doctor, uh, Harry Sullivan and Naomi Cross. Uh, that's a Sea Devil story, I think. Yes, I think you're right. I'll, I'll, again, I will look forward to that. Um, I think what we have with the Seas of Titan is possibly a bit of a collection of the Silurians or Sea Devil's greatest hits. Um, we we revisit the, it's the same, I think they actually say straight up, it's the same virus from the Silurians um, gets used on the colonists in this. Um, yeah. And I think it felt very reminiscent of the Series 5, um, uh, you know, the Matt Smith ones with the Silurians. Um, just in the interactions between the Doctor trying to make peace um, between the humans and the and the Sea Devils, um, so it does. There's a lot of it when you're listening through. It does feel very very familiar. It, it's all good material, but you know I was listening through and I think I've heard this before. But then we get to the end and it does something that I have wanted done for years, which is where we get a story that doesn't end in bloodshed and the two races having to go their separate ways again. We do get a story where they come together and 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 agree to make a future together um which is so long overdue um and i'm glad we have finally got it it has always amazed me that the doctor has continued to push for peace between the two races despite up until this so that's through you know regenerations 3 to 9 failing 100% of the time like three failed, five failed, six failed. The Doctor has consistently failed to broker peace between the two, and now, finally, um, he seems to have achieved it. So that was quite nice, and I think that's, you know, it's quite fitting that you know, war suffering Ninth Doctor, who's the lone survivor and all that, manages to actually finally broker a peace between humans and reptiles. Uh, yes, yes, I, 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 that's that's a great point, and and um, again appreciate that. Um, as as you say, it's it's the war torn ninth doctor gets that gets that story. Um, yeah, and quite right too. Um, so yeah, it, it was nice that even though we didn't really get a particularly new and different sea devil story, we got a nice new and different sea devil ending. Um, I did appreciate that. Episode number two, which was Lay Down Your Arms. Um, historical set and... Uh, 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 I, I don't know. I guess it was kind of another a familiar story, one we've heard before, uh, one we've seen in the past. But again, perhaps different to have the Ninth Doctor in that scenario. Uh, it reminded me of some of the stuff from uh, Lost Warriors, the third set of the last Ninth Doctor series. Uh, what did you think of it? Um, I, 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 
I did struggle slightly with this one because it's very busy. There's a lot going on. I think I did struggle to pay attention at times. Um, and I maybe haven't got the best impression of the story as a result. It's definitely one I owe a re-listen to at some point soon. Um, just that I am getting the full benefit of it. I think it's uh, when we talked about the Dolby spook. There, we said it's a, it's a low key celebrity historical. This is another one where um, you know, it's the ninth Doctor meets a real person and and has an adventure with them. But what it doesn't do is deal with a real event from their life. It doesn't. This isn't real history, as as far as I know. It it takes a, a it takes a an event, or it it takes a person. Sorry, from history and makes them a character in the Doctor Who story. But it's not a pure historical in the sense that we're exploring um, you know, part of their life. It does give them their motivations that um or you know that they go on then and, and do you know sue for peace and 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 become an activist for, for peace and and you know they're involved with or they they win the Nobel Peace Prize. Um I can't remember just off the top of my head there. Um, but I I I I don't know that it would be my preferred way of doing a historical or a celebrity historical story. Um, but as I say, I do owe it a re-listen, and I think I'll maybe reassess it once I've done that. Um, I certainly didn't, you know, not enjoy it. I I, I did enjoy it as the time went on, but I I do think it's one that I'll have to uh, give a, a second chance to um, when I next re-listen. I'd have to absolutely agree with you. I think it, there was a lot going on. It, it was probably a a bigger story than I sort of initially gave it credit for when I was listening to it, um, and didn't maybe didn't give it the attention it deserved. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree. I'm going to go back to it at some point. Um, I mean, I'm reaching a stage now where I think when this second series is complete, I will probably go back over all of the Ninth Doctor at Big Finish. Uh, because I've only listened to any of it once. I'm kind of saving that re-listen. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, story number three, in which Liv and Tanya uh, return, it's Flatpak. Um, the, I mean, it's the third John Dorney story of the month. It's the third excellent John Dorney story of the month. Um, it's been a good month for Dorney fans, of which I'm definitely one. Uh, and I'm not just saying this so I can tag him in a tweet afterwards. <laughs> no, absolutely. Hey, it's it's always great when you see his name come up. You know you're going to get something good, um, and flat pack certainly was. Um, definitely the highlight of the set. Um, and you know, great. It's 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 centered on Liv. It's it's Liv's story. It's her gets the most to do. I think, which is wonderful because it's Nicola Walker, and and that's when you have Nicola Walker in your cast. That is what you do. Um, but. I, 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 I love that we, we're getting live with another Doctor. I know we've had her in the past with the seventh Doctor, but that was before we had her as an eighth Doctor companion, and it has been exclusively the eighth Doctor that she has appeared with um, since then. So a lot of potential for pairing her up with another Doctor, um, certainly given the way you know she left and stranded um, and is now in one place and, and is no longer tied to the eighth Doctor. But I thought it turned out almost remarkably lightweight on that front. It doesn't go too deep into how she feels about knowing her, you know, her doctor has regenerated, even though she's already familiar with the concept and she's met an awful lot of Time Lords 
um you know in their different incarnations um but it get you know it gets to the end and there's that fantastic moment where she sort of takes umbrage against the doctor for not having a companion um which i'm hoping maybe might be a little hint for the future that they might start you know obviously it can work as a reference to rose um and the fact that he's going to take a companion um in his future but I, I, I would like it if Liv had sort of inspired him to take a new companion. Um, and certainly, I, they, you know, they have just announced that Frank Skinner's going to be in the next set. I'm Again, if anyone from Big Finish is listening, Christopher Eccleston and Frank Skinner as a TARDIS crew, please. Um, but like, Come on, John Dorney, we've said a lot of nice things about you. It's the <laughs> least you can do in return. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it's it's I, I I I like the way it's progressing. I get the impression that maybe the series will have a little bit of a shake up um, in terms of its format. We might. I, I, do I have the impression or do I have the hope? Is the question. I I I would like it if they were to you know were to introduce a new companion, um, even if it was just a temporary you know we're traveling together out of necessity thing rather than actually wanting to. Um, sort of thing rather than having a you know a traditional companion um or if they were to take you know because all these stories have been standalone so far i i would like it if they would take even a couple of sets or a set and do an arc um that's sort of connected in um but to get back to flat pack it, it's great it's as i said it's Liv's story tanya's there possibly a little bit sidelined compared to Liv, but it's, as I say, it's Liv's story. It's it's centered on her. It's about her attitude to these things. You know, Tanya, Tanya has sort of brought her into this um, situation and not told her the whole story. She's she's given Liv a wee bit of a mystery to investigate, um, and it's Liv's resistance and and suspicion and and not falling in line with the bullies and the the you know the oppressors that control flat pack um and the people in it um that that saves the day in the end so fantastic really really enjoyed it i like to think that it was a little bit of a a mini sneaky pilot for putting tanya and Liv into um sort of future torchwood continuation series so we've we've had another Among Us type Torchwood series hinted at uh, in a postcard from Mister Colchester. So I I'd, I'd like to see Tanya and Liv as part of the the new Torchwood team that we'll hopefully be seeing in that. Um, that'd be a great sort of place for the characters to both go. Um, but I I also like the idea of just Tanya and Liv investigate. Um, it's just the two of them doing stuff like flat pack. Either way, I really hope this isn't the last we hear of these characters, and I, I really hope that they do continue uh, beyond this. Because um, yeah, I thought flat pack was an excellent story. I thought it was great to have Liv meet the Ninth Doctor, and there were some beautiful bits in there. You know, you've mentioned them really, sort of the, oh, I've just found out my best friend's died in terms of the Doctor regenerating and Liv telling him to get himself a companion. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely think it was, it, it got those moments absolutely right. 
and it was an absolutely great story to boot. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's been an absolutely fantastic month. It's it's been a really great month for Big Finish yet again, um, and it's it's been nice to talk about it, even if we didn't talk about Thunderbirds. <laughs> um, yeah, I I I I will be getting to Thunderbirds soon, and and I'm I I do you know what the the I, I'll, as far as Thunderbirds at Big Finish has gone, they've started with, or they started with adapting some of the uh, the old novels, um, and it was something like twelve parts long, um, four hour long things. That's great. The newer ones that they've done have been about an hour long each, or forty five minute to fifty minutes each, and they've dropped the narration. It's it's much more like Thunderbirds the TV series on audio. The last set that they did, um, I think it was Thunderbirds versus the Hood. Great, fantastic. Um, got on so much better with it than with the audiobooks, and I'm I'm really excited that we're getting another two stories in that format. They're they're great just to stick in your ears and 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 chill out to pass an hour with, um, some old childhood friends really. So uh, yes, I will be getting to the new set very very soon. That that can be a bonus episode when it comes around. Definitely. Indeed. Um so uh December, is there any release that you're particularly looking forward to the most? Um yes, Unit Brave New World is back. Um set one was um possibly one of my highlights of the year, and I'm really looking forward to hearing from Bambera and Co. again. There's also War Doctor Begins, um, written entirely by Robert Valentine, which is uh, uh, very, very um, highly anticipated for me. Yep, uh, both looking to be quite exciting. Uh, I'm also looking forward to Connections, which is the next few Eighth Doctor adventures. Uh, And of course, we've got the War Master escaping from reality and meeting... Uh, Dorian Gray and his big finish is Dorian Gray so I'm looking forward to that yes and I have started his series now um, so that's I, I should be most of the way through series one of the confessions of Dorian Gray by the time this comes out um, which I'm I'm delighted by that's working out quite well I'm really looking forward to hearing that uh, crossover and of course, um, I, I haven't listened to it yet, so we've not included it in this episode. Yeah, I've, I've, I've bullied you about Thunderbirds a bit, but I've failed to mention that I've yet to finish this month's Blake 7 release. But I am listening to After the War as we speak. So the mini episode can be me talking about Blake 7 and you talking about Thunderbirds. <laughs> um, but there is more Blake 7 next month, uh, Allies and Enemies, and I'm I'm looking forward to that as well. Um, and I think we've mentioned everything next month apart from Torchwood, the Empire Man. So there you go. There's its mention. So we're looking forward to all of the next month. Everything. Uh, everything. everything. Yeah. <laughs> what are you looking forward to specifically from next month? All of it. All of it. And my Christmas playlist as well. I have it all downloaded and ready to go. That time of the year has come again. Uh, excellent. Chimes of Midnight. Uh, it's in there. It's definitely in there. I'm... Uh, you know, from the word go, when they announced Christopher Eccleston was back, I said, I want Christmas specials. You have, the, I know we have the Unquiet Dead from TV, but I want dedicated, this is the Ninth Doctor Christmas special that we will listen to each year. 
Um, and we now have a ninth Doctor Christmas and New Year episode. And New Year as well. And we actually have two because Fright Motif is, a, is set in around Christmas as well. Of course, um, yes. From Series 1. So we have two Christmas specials with the ninth Doctor and a New Year special. And they're both there. All three of them are in there. Brilliant. Well, in that case, we shall leave our lovely listeners alone so we can go off and listen to all of the things we've just talked about. <laughs> um, so thank you very much for joining me, Connor. It has been an a great month and i'm looking forward to talking about december so we shall leave it there and there shall be more spodcasting next week in fact next week's episode is a particularly exciting one so keep an eye on our twitter and facebook and various other social media places to find out what it's going to be goodbye now